Isaiah 43, and maybe we'll just do as we have been, go down verse by verse and see how far we get through it. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. So you think about now the security of those that are in Christ Jesus. And look at the Old Testament picture of Israel itself. God didn't come to a nation and call a nation to come to Him. God came to one man, Abraham, living amongst uh, a bunch of idolaters, and He called that one man out. That man had one wife. That wife was barren. He had no children. By the looking of man, had no hope of having children. But God took that one man and his wife and He made the nation of Israel out of that. He formed and created. That word formed, it means to squeeze into shape. It's a picture of a potter. To create, that's just to procreate. That is a new creation. God took that that was not and made a, a nation for His glory and for His honor out of that. And that, that was by... That was by the, the direction, the choice, the determination of the hand of Almighty God. So the Bible says, fear not. So God has taken these people. Out of the whole earth, He's chosen these people. He's created them. He's made them. He's called them, not just called them as a group, but God calls individually by name. And I, I think we could see how that, that applies to us today, even spiritually speaking, that though we're not a part of natural Israel, God has, through Jesus Christ and the death of Christ, there, there were no, before Jesus, there was no church, there was no people that were regenerated and born again. There were none, though there were those that died in faith, it was the work of Christ that brought this salvation to be. Many desired to see it. Many looked for it and longed for it. But when Christ came, then man began to be pressed into the kingdom of God by the preaching of the gospel. So God took a people, a country, a world that was lost and undone in the power of darkness led by Satan, uh, in danger of the wrath of God. And God, through the work of Jesus, has created and formed. He's called out a people, and He's called each one out individually by name. You know, it wouldn't be as impressive as if God just called a whole nation. If God came to Egypt with Pharaoh as their king and said, I'm going to take this whole bunch... And this nation of Egypt is going to be my people. That wouldn't be near as impressive. But God didn't take an established nation. God didn't take a mighty people. God took one man with no hope of ever having children and raised a nation out of that one man. Well, that's what He's done with Christ Jesus. He brought, gave His Son into the world and His Son gave His life that He might call not a mighty people, not a noble people, not a wise people, but I tell you what He's done. He's took the very scum of the earth. Some may, some may resist that just a little bit. But to God's truth, He took sinners 
out of the bottom of the barrel that were just as guilty as anybody ever was. Not religious. No care for religion. No care for God. God took people out of that state through His Son Jesus, called them into the church, and He's made a people today out of a bunch of sinners. God has made a people different from all the face of the earth that can offer unto God spiritual sacrifices by the dwelling of the Holy Ghost within them. You know, I, I believe in Moses' day as they were in the wilderness, what set them apart then was the tabernacle of God and God's pillar of cloud and pillar of fire by night that abode with them day by day. That there was God in the midst of the camp of Israel. No other nation had God in the midst of their camp. Well, friends, the church, the born again, those that God has called out and created and formed, and you, you got to look at that too. You talk about being saved today. And the truth is a multitude of people think it's just believing and it's just being baptized. It's just joining the church. But we're talking about a people that God took and created and squeezed into shape with His own hand. These are those that God has done a work in by the Word of God and by the power of the Spirit making new creatures out of men and women that were sinners and justifying them in Jesus Christ. So He has made a people, not with a temple, not with a tabernacle, and not with a cloud and a pillar of fire, but a people that are indwelled, that within their inward man, in the heart is what the Bible says, not the natural heart, but that center of the thoughts and the feelings and the will and the intention, that that makes you, you, in the inward man, God has made new creatures out of these people, creating something that was never there beforehand. God took that that was old and He made something new out of that. So God took Abraham and Sarah, that that was barren, that that was old, that it was unable and unfit, and God brought a nation through Him. And through Jesus Christ, He's taken sinners that were cursed by sin, cursed by the law, cursed by Satan, and whose natural course now, my nature, I was naturally inclined, if you'll have it, but inclined really is not a strong enough word. My natural course, just as a dog's natural course is to, to eat that it's laid before him, just as the, the squirrel's natural course is to, to bury nuts, you know, they don't have a lot of sense. They're not thinking beings like mankind is. But you know, they do that every fall. They're out there and they're burying and they're laying up. You know what that is? That's their natural instinct. That's in them. That You don't have to teach them that. That's in them. Well, in man now was a natural instinct to rebel and to transgress and to sin the law of God. And God, through the working of His hand, has created a people now that by the indwelling Spirit is naturally inclined to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. I realize... Well, we sin every day. I realize that. But God's people has a man inside that is born and created and formed by the power of God. Now, if God has, out of all the world, come to this, let's just say this individual, 
if God comes to this individual, calls them out by name, and chooses to make a new creature out of this individual, God does His work in their heart. What then have they got to fear? If God Almighty, the judge of the whole world, if He takes one and says, through the sacrifice and the blood of my son Jesus, I'm accepting Jesus as this man's substitute, and He is justified, He's pure, and He's holy, and He's right with me, if God declares that, then who in the world is going to undeclare what God has said? Who's going to overrule him? He says, Jacob, fear not. Thou art mine. You belong to me. I have purchased you. Now, when we were in sin, we did not per se belong to God. We were sold under sin. Sin and the devil was our master and our father. And through that, as a result of that, we were destined for eternal judgment in the wrath of God. We were destined for destruction as a result of my natural inclination to sin. But God gave His Son. God sacrificed His Son. And God chose to call us out and purchase us, not buying with money. But the sacrifice of His Son Jesus paid the debt that I owed to the law. Thereby, He bore that punishment and He bore that pain that I could be a free individual and belong to the hand and the power of God. Jesus says it like this. They're in my hand and no man can pluck them out of my hand. But my Father's greater than all. And they're in my Father's hand as well. Now you talk about security, that that cannot be gotten to, that that cannot be touched, and cannot be changed, just as sure as God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His Word tells us that. His justification of the sinner is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And those that God justifies, they cannot be unjustified. Fear not. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now all of these things happen naturally. Moses and the children of Israel walked through the parted Red Sea on dry ground, and it was dry ground now, even their feet, as they walked on what was the bottom of the sea, did not get wet. The children of Israel again, following Joshua, came to Jordan as it was in flood stages, and the Word of God came, and they stepped their ankles in the water, and God piled the water up. They crossed the flooding Jordan River and did not get wet. The three Hebrew children, we know them, down in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fiery furnace and they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. So all of this happened, naturally speaking. But all of those things are a picture now because now we've got this in Hebrews chapter 11. The great chapter of faith and the work of faith in the lives of men and women. In 36, he says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, 
Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Faith wrought many great things in the lives of people, brought great natural deliverance, but faith does not always bring great natural deliverance. Here was a people that were the children of God. God says Himself that the world was not worthy of these individuals, yet they by faith suffered and endured this. Now, just because that were the chosen... Just because that God has created and done a work, that does not mean that we're above trouble and trials and the putting to proof and the testing of God in our lives. He says in Psalms chapter number 66, Psalms chapter 66 verse number 10, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried, thou broughtest us into the net, Thou laidst affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. So they're saying here, David the writer is saying, God, you've brought me into these places. It was your hand that brought me into this trouble, even tried as silver is tried. Now that word tried, it don't mean to check on it, but it means to put it through the fire and to to collect out all of the impurities, to purify that. Now that's what God uses as much as man would disagree today. God will bring trouble in my life for the purpose of purifying me and drawing me ever closer to Him. Because the truth is now, if things are always smooth, I'll forget about God. That's the natural inclination of man. If things are always well, I don't need to call on God. I don't need to be near to Him. But God brings these things in our lives that it might purify us and draw us near. But now when trouble comes, I believe you could see it in Job. I believe you could see the devil. And his desire is to make me doubt. Doubt whether God loves, whether God sees, and whether God cares. And you know when that happens most? When we're in the middle of the fire. When we're down there in Babylon and they're heating it seven times what it's wont to be heated. When we're down there and the Egyptians are coming in from behind in the seas in front of us, there the devil begins to say, and you can hear the devil there in the children of Israel. They say, well, you just brought us down here to kill us. What good was it? We should have stayed down in Egypt. Now that's what the devil says. You'd be better off without the Lord. That's what he told Job. Just curse God and die. Just give up your integrity. Give up your profession. Why don't you just call it a day and quit? But the devil's a liar and the father of it. Listen to what he says in verse 3 here. Isaiah, back in Isaiah 43. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Now that's the verse that stuck. So think about what he's saying now. The children of Israel are down there in Egypt in captivity under Pharaoh. And they're a much smaller and lesser nation than Egypt. But you know what God did? 
God destroyed the Egyptians that He might redeem His people. When it come down to it now, there was a choice of either the Egyptians are going to be destroyed or the Egyptians are going to destroy Israel. You know what God did? God gave Egypt to save His people out of the midst of it. And again, He says Ethiopia and Seba. If you looked in Second Chronicles, you could see the Ethiopians come up the Bible says there, it's 2 Chronicles 14. The Bible says that they come up with a thousand by a thousand. Maybe it says it like this, a thousand thousand. That's a million men. A million men came with the Ethiopians to overrun Asa and the kingdom of Judah. And Asa cries unto God. Now at this point, there's a battle. They've come, they've besieged, somebody's got to die. You know what God did? God allowed Israel, God allowed Judah to destroy that army of the Ethiopians that His people might continue and survive. You know, people say, well, it's all up to man. Well, I don't believe it was up to man in either one of those conditions. Do you? God was willing to sacrifice the Egyptians... And I, you talk about a sacrifice. He destroyed everything they had in their country. He made their lives absolutely miserable. He uh, took the firstborn out of every house. And then he drowned the king and his entire army in the Red Sea. God absolutely destroyed the Egyptians that Israel could be free. And again, a million men coming up to battle. And over and over and over again. God made a choice and a determination that one would be destroyed that Israel could remain. Now don't you reckon that shows that God cares for this people? That God gave... Now that word ransom there, that word means a cover. It's the same word in Genesis where Noah pitched the ark within and without. It's the same word. So that covering, God gave Egypt and Ethiopia and Seba as a covering. So I think that that would lead us to look towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if God, choosing to destroy Egypt that Israel could go free, if that proves the love of God, that God prefers he is people over this other nation. Then what about us today? I mean, God didn't just destroy the Egyptians. God gave the life of His own Son on the cross of Calvary that you and I could be redeemed and that you and I could be saved. In John chapter number 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye have seen me and believe not. So there in that first verse there, you've got that security. Those that are in Christ Jesus, they need absolutely nothing for their salvation. And though they may endure the fire, though they may endure the water, though they may be destroyed as many of the apostles were and others, when they leave this world, God's never forsook them. They'll enter into eternal deliverance and grace through Jesus Christ. So he says here, But I said unto you, that ye have also seen me and believe not. 
all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now it doesn't sound like there's any question here. The Father has a people that is going to come to Christ. Is that the way it reads to you? All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So would you say this by that one verse then, that the Father has given a people that will come to the Son and that the Son will redeem. That's the way it reads. That's the way it sounds. Though there's a crowd here that's heard Him and believed not. But you know, there was a crowd that believed as well. You know who that was? That was the people that God had given unto Christ. And so He says, For I come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. So Almighty God then, and we know by other Scriptures, we could look in Ephesians, we could look in Timothy, we could look in 2 Thessalonians, that God from before the foundation of the world had a people, a nation, a, a group that He was going to redeem by the sacrifice of His Son Jesus. A chosen nation. And I, I, realize, I realize chosen Selection, all of those, those are bad words theologically in our religious world today. But when you go to the Old Testament, I don't think you can argue that God chose Israel and destroyed Egypt. God chose Israel and destroyed Ethiopia. God chose Jacob and destroyed Esau. God chose Noah and destroyed the rest of the world. I don't know how you can argue that, but it's argued, and it's fought against, and it's up to man. But according to this Scripture now, God, from the foundation of the world, had a people in mind that He loved, and that He desired to redeem from their natural condition of sin. And it was the will of God that the Son of God come to this earth and give His life as a sacrifice, as atonement, as payment for the sins of His elect that they might have a place that they could be redeemed. That was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. God gave, and all those that God give to Jesus, they're going to come to Jesus. And God, Jesus came down not to do His will, He says, but to do the will of my Father. My Father's got a plan. And it's to redeem this people. It's to redeem His elect. And I've come to this world to give my life that the Father could save them. This is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now in case, in case we didn't believe that this is what's going on, on over, same book, John chapter number 10. He's the good shepherd. He's the one that calls His sheep and His sheep hear His voice and they follow Him. So they were His sheep. Hard to swallow. They were His sheep. 
before He called them. They answered the call because they belonged to Him. They answered the call because God had given them unto Him. But you know what He says? The sheep that's not His, they don't follow His Word. The sheep that doesn't belong to Him, they don't obey. So back over in John 6 then, this crowd that didn't believe, they must not believe. They must not hear the words of the Son of God because they were not in the number that God had selected. I'm not off in left field. This is, this is sound biblical reasoning with Scripture to back it up. So this is the will that that which He hath given me I should lose nothing and you can rest assured. Fear not, O Jacob. Fear not, Israel. I have created thee. The Lord says it's the Father's will that I give my life for His chosen, those that He's given me, and that of that number I should lose nothing. And He's not going to either. Those that are God's, those that are Christ's, every single one of them will be raised up in victory the last day. Listen, and we'll look in another Scripture in just a second. This is the will of Him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So you see this believing on Him. This is popular in John chapter 3, 16. That verse is taken and it said, See, it's whether you believe or not. But the devils believe and tremble. Well, you've got the same thing here. Those that believe on Christ are the ones going to be saved. But if you go back in the previous verses, those that believe on Christ believe because God's given them to Christ. See, this is, this is an eternal, finished and settled work of God. Now, we're getting secure now. You see, if this was something that was haphazard, and fly by the seat of your britches, then there wouldn't be much security in that work, would it? But now if this work was graven down and was finished in the mind and in the foreknowledge of God from before the foundation of the world, and we've come to this day and God's not lost a one, everything's went according to plan, then don't you reckon I could say today that I'm in a pretty secure place in Jesus? He's not going to lose me. I can rest assured that He's not going to lose me. In Romans chapter number 8, verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So now if it's free will, then God has come and gave His Son Jesus, and just hoping man will believe in Him. But according to this Scripture, the Lord Jesus was given, and God, in His foreknowledge, predestinated. Now you look that word up. You look it up in Webster's. You look it up in Strong's Concordance. You know what you're going to find? Predetermined. To set in order before. Now God did this. Whom, for whom He did foreknow, 
He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. So that word conformed, jointly formed, or similarly. I realize it's not the same exact definition, but does that not sound like what you've got in the first verse of Isaiah 43? That God's created and God's formed? Well, here, God has predestinated. It's been foreordained. It's been determined beforehand that those that He's foreknew and selected are going to come to Christ for salvation, that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. It was a guaranteed work. Jesus was not coming to save some random bunch of people. Jesus came for a purpose to save the number that God knew from before the foundation of the world. He came to accomplish the work of God that God's chosen and God's elect could receive the salvation that God desired for them to have. And Jesus has lost none of them. You see, I don't know how you get out of it. If Jesus has lost none, then what do you say about people that are lost? I mean, we all know and are aware of people that died in unbelief. What what happened to those people? You know? Did Jesus lose them? He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, He doesn't say to be saved. He doesn't say it like that. But He says to be formed, to be created similarly into the image of the Son of God. you know what that's telling me? That my life is going to be changed. It's not religion. It's not doing a little work. It's not a ceremony that I go through. It's not something written on a piece of paper. But this work of God is that that changes the man that looks like Adam and takes his life into that that looks like Jesus. That inward man, the thoughts and the affections and the will and the desires is changed from its natural fleshly attitude into that that's born of God. It's a work of the Lord. The Lord does that. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. So God determined beforehand and God sent a call unto those that He determined beforehand. Now if we believe John chapter 6, and if we believe John chapter 10, this call that went out to these, these were the sheep of Jesus. These were those that God had given Jesus from before the foundation of the world. This call came to them, and do you know how the sheep of Jesus Christ responded to the call of God? Affirmatively. They moved at the call of the shepherd. They did. He called. Them He called. Them He also justified. Maybe we ought to talk about that word called right there. To invite, to invoke, to call near to. So Almighty God, if you'll have it, to them that are His, Send a special invitation. As he says in Isaiah 43 verse 1, I've called you by your name. 
Not a random invitation sent to whom it may concern and put in every P.O. box and mailbox on Spring Creek, but Almighty God sent one to your address. Not where you live, but I tell you right in the inward man, God sent a personal invitation with your name on it to come into the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did that to His elect. Not a general call to the world, but God called them that are His and He called them by name. Personal. Personal. Then He also justified to render as just or innocent. Now you see this conforming to the image of the Son and this justification is one and the same work. They cannot be separated. It can't be divvied up we're either justified and made a new creature or neither. You can't have one without the other. And that's a terrible mistake that's made today. People think you can be justified and rendered as in a right state with God. That's a good way to put that. That you can be made right with God and not be made a new creature and not be indwelled by the Spirit. But that is an impossibility. This is by the foreknowledge and predetermination of God that He chose, that He called, that He justified, and then He also glorified. See, all of this is together. None of this is separate. None of this is determined by what I do or what I say. This is all the work of God in Jesus Christ. So I am drew called in personally and individually. I am justified. I'm made in a right state with Almighty God. And then He also glorified to render as glorious. I don't know how you think about that, but I tell you the most glorious thing that I've ever seen in my life is for somebody to get up with the power of God on them and God bear witness Testimony is true. Renders them glorious by clothing them in His righteousness of the Holy Spirit of God. And them that are saved, this is the work of salvation. Not the first part of it is. The whole thing is the work of salvation. There must be the predetermination of God. There must be that individual, personal, and effectual call and invitation from God. There must be that affirmative response. And there will be in the sheep that belong to God, there will be an affirmative response to the call, and then God will justify and glorify all in one work. What shall we say then to these things? So if this is the way that it is, and now let's just back up all the way back to Isaiah here. If God determined to save us out of the whole world, hard to hear. God chose to save Israel and destroyed Egypt in doing so. He did. He says it explicitly in His Word in Isaiah. God chose to do that because He loved Israel. And so, 
if God chose from before the foundation of the world, predetermined that this was the way it was going to be, gave His Son Jesus and shed His blood that we might have access to salvation, and then individually called us into that that He had afore prepared for us, and justified us and saved us. What's the conclusion of that? If God's for us, who can be against us? Who's going to undo the work of Almighty God? Who can overrule the power of God? What is that that's going to stop God from redeeming His people. Well, preacher, we're in a dark day. We're in a day of great wickedness. We're in a day of great darkness. But you know, God's work is still going to be done. What God has determined, what God in His foreknowledge has saw and determined and set up, His work is going to be accomplished and it will be accomplished without fail. Not one will be lost. Now you talk about resting in something. A finished and a completed work of God from the foundation of the world. So that if I'm going to trace back now my salvation and try to figure out what the root of me standing before you tonight is... How did I get to the place I am today? How did I get saved? How did I get changed? How did I come to the gospel? How did all of this happen to me? Why is it that I'm saved today? I tell you, them that are gods, they got there because God determined it to be that way before the foundation of the world. So I can rest in what God's done. Not because I had anything to do with it, That'd be a great cause to doubt and to be afraid. But God's done this work. Hebrews 2, the Bible says this, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, suffering, undergone hardship or pain. So God took His Son, and when we say Son, let's make sure we get it right. He is co-equal, Jesus Christ. Remember the triune God, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You've got it in Genesis 1, in the first three verses, you've got God, the Spirit, and God said. The triune God. They are all equal, they are all one. In 1 John, the Bible says that God the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Again, the same triune God. The Word was equal with God. The Word was equal with a Spirit and always has been. But you know what happened here? The Word of God was made flesh. Jesus Christ, the man, was born. His first day was in Bethlehem from the womb of Mary, the man, Jesus. But what He was, was the Word of God from eternity past incarnated 
into a body that they named Jesus. So that this wasn't a new being. This was the Word of God that said, listen, I'll take on a flesh and I'll go down there. I'll be made lower than the angels so that I can suffer and undergo death that your elect could be delivered. That's what's happening here. Listen in Hebrews 2. Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So Jesus was made flesh, lived in this world for the purpose of dying that the elect of God might receive the salvation that the Father determined for them. Listen again, Hebrews chapter 10. Wherefore He saith, when He cometh into the world, this is a quote from Psalms 40, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Now you know what we've got? We've got and we've got history. Not just what the Bible says, we've got history. That there was a man, Jesus, who was born on such and such day, and who died on such and such day, that lived here on the earth among men. There's record of that. There's evidence of that. In the Word of God and in natural history, there's evidence of that. But here, we've got a lot more than that. See, this man, this Word of God, was before Jesus was ever born. And he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but you've got a body ready for me. I'm going to be put inside of the body of a man. Why is he going to be put in the body? In burnt offerings and sacrifices, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. I'm going to be put in a body and I'm coming into the earth because this sacrifice and offering, it's not redeeming your elect. This is not sufficient to save them. But I'm coming in the body of a man and I'm coming to accomplish. I'm coming to finish. I'm coming to do the will, the determination, and the choice of Almighty God. He came that way. He came in obedience. He came to perform and to carry out the will of God. He said to the disciples there after He spoke with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, My meat is to do the will of the Father that has sent me. The will of the Father was that He come in a body and His body be sacrificed that the elect could be saved. Then said He, Lo, I come to do Thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that He may establish the second. By the which will. Now don't, don't, don't miss that word there. By the which will. So what's he talking about? Well, where we just read, I've come to do thy will. I've come to do the determination of God. 
by the which will, by the which the same determination that Jesus came, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus received a body for the suffering of death that you and I, by the same will of God, could receive atonement and forgiveness once for all. And in the blood of Jesus, not in my move to an altar, not in the profession of my lips, not in my dunking in the creek, but in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that He done in my heart, I have a salvation that cannot be shaken. So when we go through the fire, when we go through the water, we've got something not outside the veil. We've got something inside the veil that cannot be taken or robbed from us. We've got something that God determined we would have and He'll never lose. Now you talk about love. God killed Egypt to save Israel. God gave the life of the very Word of God. If you'll have it, God Himself gave Himself in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave Himself out of His love, out of His compassion, out of His desire to redeem His people. God gave His Son that He might be able to save us. That He might be just and the justifier. The standard of the law has been met the requirements and righteousness of the law was met in Jesus Christ. Penalty for my sin and for my transgression of the law was met in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. My reception of this salvation was through the direction of the call of God to me individually. And I'm saved. I'm saved because of what God did for me and in me. Period. And that alone. Nothing else to add. Nothing else to be done.